0: Hi everyone, welcome to Conversations in Momentum, brought to you by the teams at Momentum Transport Consultancy and Momentum Transport Canada, I'm Maylis Garden,
1: And I'm Joe Tang. So Maylis, it was great to see you down in London last week from our Edinburgh office and uh, as our London office is in Clerkenwell, you probably saw some of the very exciting preparations underway for Clerkenwell Design Week, which has just kicked off as we start today's podcast recording.
0: Absolutely, Jill. having been having been based in Momentum's office for three years, and then in Clerkenwell for 12, seven years before moving up to Edinburgh, it always amazes me that Clerkenwell is such a creative hub. It's great to be part of it, and every time I come down, I just absolutely love taking just a walk around and just being amazed at the amazing creativity. In the buildings, within the buildings, in the displays. It's just a wonder for, for the eye and, and, and the soul.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. And we'll actually be touching upon this excellent hub during today's podcast. And we have the perfect guest with us to do just that. So first off, we're delighted to welcome Debbie Akehurst to our podcast. Debbie is the Chief Executive at the Central District Alliance, the Business Improvement District, or BID for short, comprising the Holborn, Clerkenwell, Farringdon, Bloomsbury and St Giles areas of London. So Debbie, welcome to Conversations in Momentum and thank you so much for joining us today. I guess it's a busy time for you with Clerkenwell Design Week in full swing.
2: Uh, yeah, thank you. It's great to be here um, as well. Yeah, I mean, Clerkenwell Design Week, um, CTA, we sponsor it. Uh, every year we've done for, for quite a long time even before i joined the bid um but also we support things like bloomsbury festival as well and it that kind of feeds into that whole we look at the area as five villages so it's really important for us to recognize the uniqueness of those five villages so so yeah the team will be going down and, and having a look at what's going on with park and world design
1: week that sounds excellent
0: Absolutely brilliant to be hearing about those different initiatives and and especially celebrating um, the urban fabric and and what happens in between the buildings. So I'm really glad to have you with us today, um, Debbie. And we're also welcoming a second guest today, a big momentum hello to Katie Mokoski, who is a consultant within our planning team. And Katie has been working as an urban planner in both London and New York on climate forward projects that also Sparehead Community Development and currently works closely with Debbie and the team at the Central District Alliance.
3: Hello, thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, so Debbie and Katie, to kick things off, we always begin by asking our guests to share a transport-related story or highlight from their careers. Um, now Debbie is Chief Executive of CDA, obviously your role covers a lot more than transport, but equally equally, I'm sure uh, Good transport and urban design contributes significantly to the work that you do. Um, so, would you have a notable transport highlight that you'd be happy to share with us?
2: Oh, I've, I've been kind of racking my brains and I was saying to Katie earlier, um, I've been commuting now into London for work for almost seventeen years. So you would think that I've got lots of funny, like funny stories, but can't actually think of any. I, I did help her, a, a very distraught young lady one day who was, whose boyfriend was being very, very nasty to her on the train. So I rescued her with my tissues um, and told her that he wasn't worth it. So. <laughs> I don't know if that if that kind of meets, but but yeah, a long time commuting and using the rail system, which um, I was again said to Katie earlier. Funnily enough, I think the trains are probably worse now than they were when I started commuting 17 years ago. Question mark.
1: Yeah, and no, I like the personal touch to that as well. The um, you know that sort of community aspect, uh, the local commute. It's always quite a nice one.
2: Well, I think it is. I, I think with, commu- and, and again, going kind of back to commuting and transport, I know we're saying earlier, you know, with our reliance on technology now, and there's no conversation now on trains. Everybody is on their, you know, their their tablets or they're on their phones. You know, occasionally you see people reading, but there is literally no conversation on transport now.
1: Katie, can we, uh, can we pass the baton on to you then? Do you have a noticeable transport highlight from your end that you'd be happy to share with us?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I mean, it's such a good question. I was also reflecting on this with Debbie earlier and was kind of saying that for me, moving to London from New York, where I never really felt comfortable sort of cycling on a regular basis or um, integrating it into my daily routine, um, such a big transport highlight for me was gaining that cycle confidence and, and integrating it into my life here. And funnily enough, I think it was a strange sort of side effect of the pandemic um, in central London during COVID, um, all the streets were really kind of eerily empty. Um, and I have these memories of sort of cycling through central, even going down the superhighway, which is normally so busy or seeing the London eye with, with some of my housemates, um, and almost having this sort of dystopic, like, like streetscape to ourselves. Um, and I I guess, you know, it's a funny memory and, and not to sort of just, uh, I guess, bring that immediately back into work, but, um, Obviously, those things in that time were were prompted by something very unfortunate. Um, But at the same time, um, there were elements of that that really highlight, I guess, why a lot of us do the work that we do, Um, having those sort of emptier streets that we're moving away from um, a car-centered experience and allowing people to walk or in common and enjoy each other, um, whether it was, yeah, by, by foot or by bicycle. Um, I guess, not only made the experience more pleasant for people who already did that, but got more people out onto the streets and onto the roads, uh, myself included. So um, it was, yeah, those, those strange memories come from a, an interesting time, I think, for us to think back to, but um, have also maybe changed the way we think about how we relate to the streets and each other, possibly even um, members of the community on the train, nice. <laughs> feeling, feeling more of an inclination to lend a hand. Yeah
0: this is this is really interesting thank you katie i really like that story because it really shows how our experience of cities of of public spaces can be completely turned on their heads depending on on you know what circumstances we we see them in and i've I've certainly i can relate to this having um having had a, a child um two years ago and um suddenly experiencing the city in a completely different way and it was the same city and you just suddenly because you're pushing a a pram you just see things completely differently and and covid i think did that to us as well that suddenly we're like oh my goodness it could be so much quieter you know there there could be so many good things that could that could come if we didn't have as much traffic on our streets Um, so thank you very much for for sharing this and i'll bring us back to um to our questions and um, Debbie, we would really like to um to ask you um, about Central District Alliance, um, what you do, what's your role, and perhaps the more generally the roles of business improvement districts. That would be really helpful if you could set this out for us.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, um I think what's really important, important is, is that bids are a real catalyst for change. Um and I think again, um, you know, if you probably stopped Uh, Joe blogs on the street and asked him what a business improvement district was Um, I don't think many people would know and I think in terms of bid areas you're not going to know whether you're in maybe the central district alliance footprint or you're in Fitzrovia footprint so there's kind of you know in terms of of how we uh, brand our areas I suppose but bids especially now, and I think, again, you know, it, before COVID, but certainly post-COVID as well, plays such an important role in terms of London and London's economy, not just London, because obviously there's bids across the country, but there's 70, I think, currently in in London. Um, and we can help with things like placemaking, with public realm. Um, you know, it's, you know, as Katie was saying earlier about, you know, cycling, and I think one of the things that, that COVID has shown is the real importance of outside space. So we as a business improvement district are doing a lot of work that Katie is leading on with the team around how we implement that outside space, working very, very closely with both of our boroughs, both Camden um, and Islington boroughs. Um, So we do a lot around that kind of placemaking, but again, it's also about showcasing the area. So working very, very closely with our businesses so that the we can we can help them in terms of where they do business. Certainly for Central District Alliance, we sit between the city um, and the West End. So what we want to make sure is that people don't just see our area as an area to pass through to get somewhere, that actually it's very much around, well what can I do? <laughs> In this area, so we have the British Museum as an example, who get in the region of six and a half million visitors a year. But what we want is those six and a half million visitors to stay in the area, go to some really nice restaurants, you know, cafes, bars, etc., and actually see some of the other great cultural um, and architectural interests that we have in the footprint. And again, that kind of helps feed that whole kind of SME ecosystem that help support those bigger global and corporate businesses that we have in the area. But then on the other side, you know, we also are businesses that operate within a community. So we do a lot of community outreach as well through our ESG programme, which I know we're going to talk about in a bit more detail later. But I think overall, bids are, um, like I said earlier, they are a real good force for change. And we act as brokers, so we're very good at bringing the private, public, and voluntary sector together to work collaboratively, because we, you know, we all operate in the same area. So, but we also, it's really important that we work with other bids as well within our, you know, the Camden and Islington footprint. So Old Street um, and Angel bid on the Islington side, um, Fleet Street Quarter, Fitzrovia. This is going to challenge me now. Remembering them all um, on the um, Camden side as so well on Camden, Euston Town. So it's very important that we all work together because I think some of the big issues that we that we all have and that we go to the councils with are the same in terms of you know greening, planting, you know environmental things. So it's really important that we all work as a collective.
1: No, absolutely, and and I guess that makes it so key given that the whole community aspect to it in that um that collaboration to help generate those improvements and change in in the areas that um, that we're involved in
3: yeah I think that's a really good point And i mean we have a few projects happening right now on the public realm side that so demonstrate the potential of the bid model um, particularly the cda almost acting as a translator uh, between many different stakeholders who obviously have different levels of um, engagement with the local area, whether they're workers or residents, um, whether they're members of the council or the business community. Um, I I guess the the bid model also, it's funny to think about how it's evolved from its origins in in North America. So I think traditionally this kind of Canadian model that then became exported to the U S and then obviously um, found its origins here. I think the first bid here was in Kingston Um, kind of originated with the conception of a bid being a high street um, and something that I really like about the way that we've articulated the sort of strategic spatial vision for the bid here is moving away from just that high street model and um, considering what it means to look at a place in context, um, particularly with all of those complicated stakeholder networks and, um, you know, partnership opportunities that you just mentioned, um, Debbie, I think it's really powerful. Um, And I guess moving away from just thinking about a high street um, part of what we consider connecting people now in these discussions of climate and active travel are green links and low pollution links, um, grounding common spaces like parks. um, And, you know, not just thinking about those places where people might gather to have coffees and conversations and form business or personal networks, but how they get there to begin with um, and whether there are, you know, alternatives to maybe highly trafficked roads and, um, how, yeah, the way that we move through these places, um, I guess, continues to foster those relationships. Um, I guess for one concrete example, we're, we're working with Islington Council um, around a garden just behind Farringdon Station right now. Um, it's called St. John's Garden, um, and this is a project which has basically 50-50 CDA and Islington Council contribution, but has also been informed by really, really deep collaboration with the local residents network Um, they're called friends of St. John's garden. Um, and equally a lot of the ideas that we got for, you know, what might shape the the park and what people might Mm -hmm. want to see came from just walking around and knocking on doors and talking to people, um, which is a very soft form of stakeholder engagement that, um, I guess from a, a planning point of view can really have so much practical power. Um, so yeah, that, that big model, I guess, us navigating between, um, different stakeholders also, I guess, is informed by the way that we ourselves navigate the space, um, which which can be a really powerful thing when it comes to place making and place shaping.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important because I think, as I said earlier, you know, I think we have to be mindful that we are businesses within a community, and we have quite a large residential community. And things like parks are communal parks. There's not very many, I think, have private gardens. So so that outside green space is very important. And I think the worst thing you can do is for people to feel like they're having things done to them rather than being part of the conversation. So that that stakeholder engagement, in particularly at that residential um, level, is so important that and Katie and the team do a fantastic job doing that. It's not just about well, it is about you know, it's not just about business because it's about the community in which we operate.
3: Hmm. But
2: obviously, as a as a bid we have to make sure that our businesses are looked after as well as part of
3: that. Mm. And yeah, often there's this interesting question of like whose community, whose streets are Mm. being talked about. And of course, you know, it's the people using that space every single day um you know workers and residents and people with different levels of engagement in a space i guess all sort of form that because they have their own relationships to the the streets and places we're talking about because
2: high high holborn as an example Hmm. is their high street kind of going back Hmm. to talking about high streets but that is their high street so you know that's where their local shops are and their local cafes and their local bars are
0: Hmm. This is this is really this really reminds me of um, whatever I was studying at a university, and when we were talking about different scales of action, and you know that sort of strategic elements of the businesses coming together to talk to councils about that collaboration element, down to walking the streets with the residents to sort of look at, you you know, sometimes you know small scale improvements that can have a massive impact for them, and that's that's really. Really great to hear that um, business improvement districts can can have such a positive impact at those different scales.
1: And and funnily enough, that discussion on sort of the background of the bids almost segues me quite nicely into the next question I was going to ask on this, um, which was touching upon the CDA's mission itself. Um, so the the mission encompasses championing sustainability, transformative destination strategies innovative business solutions, and the creation of exceptional public spaces. and That's an exceptional set of mission goals. And I think it's fair to say that on the projects we work on, we can see how these elements can dovetail and interact together to bring huge benefits to local communities and, and groups that you've touched upon there. Um, you have sort of briefly mentioned projects that CDA are working on at the moment. Uh, I was just wondering if you'd be happy to talk us through a few of those in a bit more detail, and specifically how those link into the CDA mission?
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think one of the biggest that we've been working on in partnership with Camden um, is Prince's Circus, which you may have, hopefully you may have heard of. So it's around a near Shaftesbury Theatre, and they've also been uh, working on the, on the theatre as well. Where we're just just about fingers crossed um, that now should all be completed by the by the end of this month or early June. Um, and as an example, you know it's been a long process and a long project, and it's had you know it's had its uh, had its difficulties as all of these things do. But it's going to make such a difference, I think, to that area in particular. And again, not just for businesses but also local people as well. So it's really transformed uh, the public realm um, across there. And as I say, it will be, you know, there's greening, you know, we've talked about, you know, earlier, but, you know, the the importance of that space for mental health and wellbeing uh, for people. So it, it will allow people to dwell and it will allow people to get out of their offices, get away from their desks for a little while um, and, we, and we put on a whole range of summer activities, which does just that. So we have deck chairs that we put out and we do picnic in the parks and all of this type of thing as well. And that's really to encourage uh, people, but also visitors to the area as well. Because obviously we've got the, you know, with Farringdon Station uh, just coming up to its first year anniversary um, and Farringdon being very much heralded as the new front door of London, Um, And we're lucky that we have two um, Elizabeth Line stations with Tottenham Court Road. So, you know, in terms of footfall, we're seeing a lot more footfall coming through those areas, in particular Tottenham Court Road and also the main station of Farringdon. Um, so, So there will be a lot more people coming into the area, a lot more businesses moving into the area. So having really good public realm and places where people can meet and dwell are going to be so important um casey i don't know if you want to chip in with yeah, some of the other bits no. that you've been
3: working on uh, absolutely thanks debbie um yeah i mean so I'm, I'm actually excited that you raised princess circus because it's one of the interventions that we'll be highlighting at the london festival of architecture this summer um alongside Camden and camden sorry excuse me <laughs> alongside the london borough of camden um lda um, contractors idy verde um and we'll similarly be highlighting public realm improvements at Clerkenwell Green. I think going back to that anecdote at the beginning where I talked about, you know, improving the the pedestrian and cyclist experience that is so at the heart of um what um CDA's funding um and contributions to that scheme have sort of been trying to motivate in the area. Um so we'll be really excited to sort of walk members of the public through that uh as well during the London Festival of Architecture. Um and I think, you know, uh, going back as well to the conversation around the, inter, uh, the interplay between public realm and the retail experience, um, this is where Red Lion Street equally becomes an exciting project mm-hmm. for us to highlight. And um, maybe, Joe, you can, you know, provide some insights here as well from your original experience with CDA's place plan. But um, we, it, it was so exciting to see uh, phase one delivered alongside the, the London Borough of Camden Um, and have this historic market street, which has always contained a really local collections of of, of shops and and restaurants, um, I guess be brought into a a contemporary sense of public realm with the widening of the footway, Mm -hmm. um, the uh, intervention of a dedicated cycle lane, um, additional street trees, and there are new planting opportunities that we're now exploring in phase two. Um, But I guess in this broader conversation about what brings people together and what improves the retail footfall experience. Um, it sort of highlights the potential of CDA acting as this external funding body um, through deep engagement with the council and community stakeholders to accomplish these really powerful things on public land. Um, and the, I guess, benefits of that then feed right back to local businesses in the network. Um, Specifically, because Red Lion Street itself is maybe one of the only places in the Holborn area that still has such a local collection of shops and restaurants. Yeah, you're you're it not yet seeing, you know, Prets and Costa Coffees down that street. Um, so I, I think, yeah, all, all of those schemes together really highlight the diverse uh, array of projects that we're involved yeah. in. Um, back on the Clerkenwell side, we're also exploring the delivery of a new um, pocket park um, alongside Islington and a variety of community stakeholders. Um, this has been facilitated through deep engagement. Uh, we had a co-design workshop where uh, residents and members of the business community came and were able to articulate their vision for the use of the space. Um, and we learned things from that, you know, uh, as every project goes on too. like um, the sense of, I guess, connection people have to the streets and to the neighborhoods informs forms um, exactly, you know, how, how this work should be approached. Um, which can then bring the funding um back back to the street level and to the, the neighborhood level as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's um, I mean the more we can identify, I think, areas across both Camden and Islington to do that, I think it's really important. Um and it's also things about safety, just making sure that the streets are also safe. So we have we do have a security team and they patrol between I think it's eight o'clock and 11 o'clock at night we're also looking at lighting aren't we as well to see how we can enhance lighting of an evening um and we work very closely with again with camden and islington on the women's night safety charter so um and, and again i think that is such an important part of public realm as well is to make sure that actually people feel safe
0: um, absolutely and, and thank you for bringing that up actually because it's uh it's it's brilliant to hear and to to add to my list of places to visit next time I'm down in terms of the, the the sort of physical improvements that are being made to the public room, but then it's 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 all about how people are, are gonna enjoy them and how they're gonna feel that enjoyment and that safety when, when they are there at different times of the day. So I think that's those two just can't go without each other, can they? So um thank you for setting this out. Um as, as transport consultants, um, obviously we live and breathe transport. Um, so it's really interesting to hear from you, Debbie, that good transport plays such an important part in achieving those broader aims and also it impacts not just. Um, road safety, people safety, congestion, but also um, public realm and retail experience. And, and of course, an, another important part of what you do is around ESG. So there, there are some ambitious targets to work towards. And you spoke at a CDA event recently on how important it is um, to work as collective to make an impact on the social economic and environmental sustainability and um, is this something you could tell us um, more about please
2: yeah certainly i mean it's one of the things we're really passionate about at, at the bid um and and kind of sort of go, going back a few years when i first came in as chief exec it was very much around there was quite a lot happening around the environmental side and we have roof gardens and bees and um but equally, we were really, really keen to bring greening down to eye level because I remember the first, I've worked in London a long time, but basically usually in the city and around Westminster, Victoria. So I hadn't come over this way very much at all, but it really about how gray the area was. Very, very, you know, no no sort of planting um, as such and not many trees. So I'm really glad that we have enhanced that area in terms of tree planting, especially I love trees um, and we need more trees, um, but what we really want you to enhance again is the social part of ESG. Um, so, and, and again, that's really important, I think, in terms of having vibrant economy. You know, we have, uh, you know, as I said, you know, big residential population. We have businesses that are having issues with recruitment, in particular, in particularly around hospitality, uh, as an example. Um, so we kind of really felt that we need to do something to, to, for, for businesses to have access to that local community so that they could actually, you know, actually use people on your doorstep. You know, there's lots of talent out there and let's see what we can do to kind of bring those in. So, so that's kind of where we started down the road. Of, um, so we launched two of the Mayor's Academy, Skills Academies this year, one in digital because we have a digital cluster now. Um, which is really exciting. We have the likes of Google and LinkedIn and Snapchat, et cetera, so big global companies, um, but also every single business uses tech. Um, And we're looking at doing a breakfast later on in the year about AI and the importance of AI in business, so watch out for that. Um, But also hospitality as well. So we have some brilliant hotels in the footprint, Um, such as the Rosewood and the Kimpton Fitzroy, just as two examples. Again, you know, know, real problems. So that's why we chose those two um, academies. So, and the mayor has a lot, there's lots of other academies as well, but those are the two that we chose. And I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, but I worked with the GLA on setting up the first construction academy programme, but um, that was a long, long time ago. But these are built on that model. Um, And we're working with Capital City College Group and it's going really, really well. We're really excited. And we also um, we have um, uh, lots of charities in the area. So we financially support both Islington and Camden Giving. We have our own uh, program as well called Action Funder, where we gift out uh, low-level grants of about £3,000. And we do that uh, twice a year, I think, Um And that's really to reach those grassroots level charities. It could be a local football team that's using football as a form of engagement for young people that might need a new football kit. So we're doing it at various sort of levels in terms of supporting and doing what we can for um, that local community. And we've had, I think, to date, about 650 individuals go through the academies already this year. So... um, Yeah, anything we do, I I think that we can do to help to bring people together, you know, both Camden and Islington, employment, brokerage services, our businesses and colleges and young people. We know that young people and women in particular were most hit by COVID. Uh, We've recently done a piece of work called called Unbiased, which was a 12-month piece of research on uh, inequalities that women still face Um, in the workplace. So uh, that's all going to be formally launched soon. So we'll make sure you get a copy of the report, but really exciting piece of work. And although we've made some strides in those areas, um, women still face those inequalities. Childcare was one of the top things that came out from those priorities. Women still, in effect, work two months a year free to their male equivalents for doing the same job. So, you know, it's things that we all know, but it was really good to have it all in the same piece of um,
3: research. Mm -hmm. No, Debbie, I think that's so great. And just to echo that, I mean, through our public realm work, we often see the ways that women become excluded physically from from the Mm -hmm. design of our shared spaces. Um, And this is really something that we're sort of trying to bring into the ethos of projects like the one that I mentioned behind Farringdon Station at St. John's Garden. Um, We've been Mm -hmm. drawing from the work of groups like Make Space for Girls Um, which do a lot of deep community engagement. Um, And um, through their research, they've found many, many simple, I guess, design solutions, which obviously don't solve the broader problem of gender inequality, um, but which work to make sure that infrastructure is designed in ways that try bit by bit to be more inclusive. So, for example, it was found that young girls like to sit in clusters of benches Um, So they can talk to each other Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, in a benches designed in a straight line Um, and equally with problems of designing out crime or maybe thinking about public safety, simple solutions like paint. So benches being in a a bright pink color um, might detract certain people um, from wanting to sit there and occupying space in a certain way and conversely might make others feel more comfortable identifying with the space. Um so this is something that we try to bring into the spirit of public realm design as well. Um and I I also like I think the way that we reflect on sustainability within the bid because of course when we're talking about about diversity enhancements or street greening um these things don't just have to do with interventions now but also resilience being a very practical thing that's thought through in terms of how funding can have a return on investment in the future. Um I mean, for instance, with this pocket park that I mentioned in Clerkenwell, um, the idea is really that it's just a proof of concept for what a broader green finance for pocket parks framework might be within the borough of Islington. So um, we've been working directly with a member of the council to sort of have this be a first step, Mm -hmm. which, if successful, could lay a groundwork for permissions for community engagement um, and to replicate the sort of intervention on highways land throughout the borough where not just this green space, but even more and more of it is so yeah, desperately needed. Um, so I think if we're thinking through which members of our community might be engaged, I guess, more honestly and earnestly through simple design solutions, but also how those can last um, and be replicated and, and spread throughout the area, throughout London, um, that's a it's pretty good go at, at mm. sustainable development. <laughs> yeah absolutely i think I think it's just
2: you know I think we you know we touched on it earlier the importance of having really good
0: green space. I I don't know what to pick up on first. I mean, everything you said was just so. I was just wowed. Um, throughout the six hundred and fifty people that have been through the academies and how that relates directly with and um, the businesses that you're involved with. Um, Katie knows I'm a big advocate for um gender balance and diversity. Um. So that's something that's so close to my heart. I'd be delighted to hear um, um, about that report that you that research and bias that you've prepared, and and I'm really delighted to hear that it finds you know ways of being incorporated into the design of spaces as well. That's that's just absolutely brilliant. Um, just there's just too many good things <laughs> to pick up on.
2: I think this is going back to kind of what is the role of bids, and I think bids have have definitely evolved, and they keep evolving, and I think they will be looked at to be the leads in more of this. Dare I say, as you know, uh, council budgets are squeezed more and more, and we all know cost of living crisis at the moment, you know, just getting over from COVID and then we get hit by the cost of living crisis. I'm not going to get too political, so don't worry. Um, But, you know, and and bids play an important role in that, you know, we work very, very closely with the Greater London Authority on this as well, as well as central government as well. So we do a lot of lobbying on behalf of our businesses as well. So it's a real balance between that kind of as you were saying earlier that strategic element but it, that has to then play out in terms of deliverables on the ground
1: yeah absolutely it's it's um, getting the stuff in in practice that can often be one of the biggest challenges can't it and where bids can really help out in um, mm. in assisting that and getting things over the line um i mean that's a huge amount of interesting and and varying work there you know, like like may lee said there's a there's so much going on there So it'll be great to see it all coming to fruition in the future. Debbie and Katie, it has been absolutely brilliant to have you both with us today. And thank you so much for taking the time. Um, We've absolutely loved having you on the podcast. I think I speak for everyone when I say it's been hugely interesting, hugely informative, and good luck with all that amazing work, the amazing projects, um, all the ESG work going forward. It should be great to see it all coming through.
3: Thank you so
2: much, Joe. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you both. It's been absolutely fascinating uh, to learn more about what's happening at CDA and how impactful bids can be. Thank you. And that's all from us from this
1: episode. If you've enjoyed listening, you can find all of our previous episodes at momentum-city.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Conversations in Momentum. And don't forget to follow the podcast so that you don't miss any of our future episodes.